Good morning. For Advent this week, the spirit of Christmas is the spirit of giving. God gives the first gift. This is followed by the wise men coming from the east, bringing their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But even if the Magi had not brought gifts that night, our expression would still be one of giving. We give in response to love, and God's love was and is freely given to us then and now through the child born to Mary. We light this candle as a symbol of God, the great giver of every good and perfect gift.
Father, we give you thanks and praise and glory for who you are and for all that we celebrate in the coming of Christ. We pray that you will be glorified in our worship today and that we will sense your spirit with us working in our lives. And we pray this through Christ. Amen. Share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today. It is great to see all of you as uh, we gather on this uh, Sunday, it's the fourth Sunday of Advent, the Sunday before Christmas. We especially want to welcome those of you who are guests here today, whether you are from the area or here from other places, visiting family and friends. We're glad to have you here in our worship this morning. Let me just highlight a few things in your bulletin. Uh, next Sunday morning, we have one worship service at 10 o'clock, and that will follow the next few weeks. And uh, this Tuesday night, Christmas Eve, we have two services, a service at 5 o'clock and a service at 7 o'clock. And the uh, services are similar in many ways, lighting of candles, reading of scripture, singing of the carols. Uh, at the earlier service at 5 o'clock, there will be a, a, a brief time for, especially for children. And uh, we also at the, are having a nursery care this year. And we, if you could help out in the nursery at the 5 o'clock service, that would be terrific. You see in the bulletin announcement about that. You can contact Jen Schilke. Her phone number is listed there. But we hope if you're here, you'll be a part of one or both of these uh, Christmas Eve gatherings. I want to invite you to join me in the prayer of confession that is printed in your bulletin. We'll read responsively. O God, you search us out and know us, and all that we are is open to you. We confess that we have sinned. In When we long for your coming to change the world, and yet are often unwilling for change in our own hearts. When we do not make straight paths for justice, nor offer a welcome when you come as a stranger. When we dismiss prophets and angels and refuse to nourish your word in us. When we reduce our preparation for your coming to what others need to change in their lives instead of what we need to change in ours. We turn to you, O God of infinite mercy. Amen.
Our Old Testament this morning reading will be from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide but what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, the young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the Mediterranean. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand and join us as we continue in worship together. Oh 
As the ushers come forward to assist us with our tithes and offerings, let's sing the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above all heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Our Holy Father, you have given us so much. You give to us lavishly with your love and so many good things in our lives. And right now we give back but a portion of all that you have blessed us with. Amen. You may be seated.
this morning as we spend a few moments in prayer. It's been a practice for a while to invite those of you who would like to offer your prayers at the altar rail. And if you would like to do so, please come and join me. great God, we come today and bow in adoration because of all that you have done for us in the coming of your Son. We come in worship and adoration. We come in humility. We come recognizing as much as we can this great gift of love and mercy and grace. Father, as Christ has come into this world, we pray that Christ will come anew into our lives. As we gather today, we represent all kinds of difficulties and struggles, burdens and concerns. And through Christ, we bring all of them to you. We pray that you will comfort every heart that is grieving today. And particularly at this time of year, our grief seems larger, deeper. We pray for all who are struggling with the difficulties that come to us in in these uh, fragile bodies in which we live. We pray for healing. We pray for your presence in the midst of our struggles. We pray, Father, for all who are wrestling with relationships that are not where we wish they would be. And we ask for your grace of transformation. We pray, Father, for this, about the sins with which we struggle. We pray that you would give us hope when we feel despair. And we pray that you would lift us out of, of the mire of our sins into hope and freedom and joy. Father, this morning we pray not only for ourselves, but for this world. We pray for our brothers and sisters throughout the world who are living for you and many of them living in places of persecution. And we ask that you would comfort them, that you would protect them, you would strengthen them and help them today to know of our prayers. Father, we feel unworthy to pray for our brothers and sisters who go through so much that quite frankly we do not. And we ask that their witness, their stories, their lives would inspire us about our own. We pray, Father, for this world of great need, 
And we ask that in this time of year, especially, the light of Christ would penetrate the darkness of our world. We pray that you would bring peace in a world that seems enamored with violence. We pray that you would bring hope in the midst of our world, overwhelmed with despair. Father, thank you for your presence with us here today. Thank you for all that you do in our lives. And we pray that you will continue to work in us, continue to change us, continue to shape us into the image of Christ. And we ask this through Christ, the incarnate babe, the suffering servant, the risen Lord, the coming King, and the one who teaches us the prayer that we now pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. first light of the new day, no one knew he had arrived. Things continued as they had been, while the newborn softly cried. But the heavens, wrapped in wonder, knew the meaning of his birth. Sweetness of a baby, they knew God had come to earth. As his mother held him closely, it was hard to understand that her baby. Not yet speaking was the word of God to man. He would tell them of his kingdom, but their hearts would not believe. They would hate him, and in anger, they would nail him to a tree. sadness would be broken as the song of life arose. 
If you will stand with me as I read from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The truth, the light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made Through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of of the one and the only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and his closest relationship with the Father has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Tears are falling, hearts are breaking, how we need to hear from God. You've been promised, we've been waiting. Welcome, holy child. Welcome, holy child. Hope that you don't mind our manger. How I wish we would have known. The long awaited holy stranger. Make yourself at home, please make yourself at home. 
Bring your peace into our violence. Bid our hungry souls be filled. Word now breaking, heaven silence. Welcome to our world. Welcome to our pretty awesome thing to think about what we celebrate, that God comes in flesh. We, I would guess that most of us know this story. We probably can recite it by heart. We've seen dramas and pageants and plays. We have sung songs. We've read the scriptures over and over and over again. And after a while, the things that are familiar can become a little bit dulled to us. And, and we miss out and we forget, we, we lose some of that, that energy and the joy and the excitement when you experience something the first time. We see this through children. And when children learn something for the first time, something we've known for years, it's exciting to watch them get excited. I I remember reading years ago about a group of first graders who decided they wanted to put on their own Christmas program. And so they got together, they, they wrote the thing, they put it together, they figured it all out. And when their parents and friends all gathered for this program, they looked up and there were the traditional, you know, there was, there was um, Joseph and there were the shepherds, you know, wearing their bathrobes and, and uh, the wise men were there and, and all the people you would expect, except Mary wasn't there. And you could hear the people in the crowd saying, where's Mary? Didn't she show up? What's going on? And all of a sudden, behind these bales of hay that stacked up, you, you could hear this moaning and groaning. And, and all of a sudden it dawned on people, Mary's having her baby. 
probably not as much screaming as they might have thought in real life. But she's back there, and and next thing you know, here Joseph come walks out, and he goes and he brings back in a guy dressed in a white coat with a stethoscope, and and they go behind the bales of hay. And after a few minutes, the, the, uh, the, the guy in the white coat and the stethoscope comes out and he holds up this little doll and he says to the people, it's a God. <laughs> I was thinking about that story this week, not just because it reminds us that children see things, but... It's kind of what John is saying, obviously in more sophisticated language, but it's really what John is telling us in the first chapter, this prologue of his gospel, this little baby is God. And I think we sometimes forget the implications of that. You think about the vulnerability of a baby. A little baby. You know, in the animal kingdom... As far as I know, uh, every animal, when they have babies, within a very short amount of time, those babies are up on their feet and running, jumping, playing, and in many ways can probably survive on their own if they had to. How different a human baby. I mean, babies turn a year old, they still can't take care of themselves. Two years old, three years old. I mean, we have laws that say until you're 16 years old, you really don't, we don't think you can take care of yourself. The vulnerability of a little baby is, is amazing. You know, we heard the lovely sounds of little babies this morning. And sometimes people come to me and say, I'm so sorry, my baby was crying. It's okay. You know, it reminds us of life. And it reminds us on this day, particularly, and at this time, that God became a little baby. With all of the the vulnerability of a little baby. He is susceptible to disease, injury, harm. Everything that we think of, that, that we worry about with a little baby, you have to hold him just right. And to imagine that this is the one, this little baby is the one who put the stars in the sky and separated the the waters so that there would be dry land and put the animals on the earth. That word in creation can't even speak a word. All he can do is cry. This is our God. And John says the word became flesh. And he dwelt among us. The word became flesh. Talk about dwelling among us. And people translate that in a variety of ways. He, he took up residence with us. He moved in with us. He pitched his tent with us. Seems actually to be the most literal term. He didn't just come for a, a, to sort of be here halfway. He is fully in. 
one of us. Paul says that to the rights of the Philippians that though he was in very nature God, he put aside that. He refused to grasp it and took on human flesh and humbled himself. This is Jesus. It's hard for us to comprehend that. And there have been people through the centuries who have wrestled with the truth of who Jesus is. That he is fully God and fully human. Even in the first century, the, the, the group of people, the docetists, they, they wrestled with this. And, and their conclusion was that God simply could not become a human being. It, it's impossible. It can't happen. God cannot make himself that vulnerable. It, it's, it's not right for God to, to do that. It, it's, it's belittling God. And so they said, God, Jesus that we saw, he was just a phantom. He was a figment of people's imagination. It simply can't be real. The divine simply could not take on human flesh. And yet John tells us that's exactly what he did. And the reality is their concern about God taking on flesh and making God seem weak. And vulnerable is right. They're right. And God chooses this decision. God chooses to become weak and vulnerable and to take this risk. And we ask, why would God do that? Why would God make that choice? It's not something thrust upon him. You know, I was thinking about this in terms of, of the, um, the superheroes that people write about. And, you know, we watch movies and read books and things. And, and, and I was just thinking about um, Batman and Spider-Man and, and Superman. And all three of these superheroes, and I suspect this fits most of the categories. You know, um, Peter Parker becomes Spider-Man because he's bit by a radioactive spider. He didn't choose to be Spider-Man. And, and Batman becomes Batman. Uh, Bruce Wayne becomes Batman because of a tragedy about his parents. And he's trying to, to it's out of that that he, he, he feels this need to do something. And Superman comes because his planet's being destroyed. and His parents want to save him. And we think about these great superheroes who do these great things. And sometimes people see in them messianic images. And there are some. But the difference is that Jesus comes because he chooses to be vulnerable. And he comes not so that people can know how powerful he is. He comes to identify with us. He comes to be one of us, to dwell with us. To communicate to us. Philip Yancey says that when he was a teenager, he got a little bit of an idea about understanding incarnation as he tried to maintain uh, an aquarium. And he said he had this aquarium. He basically had a, a little chemistry lab set up to take care of all the, the fish that were in his aquarium. 
He said he was putting in all kinds of chemicals and drugs and, and things to, monitoring the, the pH balance and the nitrates and all this stuff and the water through tubes. And, and he said he, he spent hours and hours working on this aquarium to keep his fish alive. And he said, you would think that the very least they would be grateful for that. But he said, every time his shadow came over the, this, the tank, they ran for cover into the, under the, the nearest shell. He said, they only showed him one emotion and that was fear. That's the only thing they could think about him. They didn't realize that every day when he came to feed them three times a day, they couldn't see he was trying to be good to them. All they could think about was fear. He said the only way to change that would be to become a fish. And I pondered that. Why would a human being become a fish? Is it to let the fish know, hey, I'm more powerful than you are. And I don't think you understand that. And I want to make sure you understand that. Is it because he wants them to know, look, your existence is in my hands. And I'm not sure you realize that. So I want to make sure you grasp it. No. The only reason to become a fish is to be able to communicate to the fish how important those fish are to this human being. That everything he is doing for them is because he cares about them and he's trying to help them live. And why does God become flesh? To remind us, to to help us understand that our existence is in his hands? Everything about our lives is, is, is in his control, that, that, that he is so much more powerful than us and we don't quite get that. No, it's because he wants us to know how much he cares for us. Wants relationship with us. I don't think God would have to come and dwell among us in order to, to simply let us know how powerful he is. We read the Old Testament, it's pretty clear. He comes to dwell among us because we are afraid of him. Because like the fish, we dive for cover every time we see him coming near. Because in our sinful nature, in our warped understanding, we see God as someone to be afraid of. Instead of someone who loves us and who wants relationship with us. It's fascinating to me that back in the early centuries of the church, as, as theologians were wrestling with the mystery of the incarnation, one of the questions that came up was this. If Adam and Eve had never sinned, would God have still sent Jesus? If human beings had never sinned, would Jesus have still been born? And what's fascinating to me is that a number of them said, yes, I think so. And their reasoning was this, because God loves us. Because God wants relationship with us. Because God wants us to know that. And the only way he can truly know that is to dwell with us and to be with us. Now, the reality is we don't know. We don't have any clear indication of that. But we do know the links to which God is willing to go to tell us he loves us. 
to tell us he wants relationship with us. And to try and, and to, to try and get rid of our fears so that we might know his love for us. It's difficult for us to grasp that God, the Almighty God, would choose to become so vulnerable, to take such a risk. And of course, you can't have vulnerability without risk, and you can't really risk unless you're willing to be vulnerable. You think about any relationship in your life. If you're going to risk, you have to take steps of being vulnerable. And if you're going to say, I'm going to be vulnerable, it's going to involve some risk. And Jesus, Jesus takes that risk. And, and John tells us in verses 11 and 12 that when he comes, you'd think people would embrace him. But instead, they didn't receive him. They rejected him. They pushed him away and eventually led him to a cross. And yet God is willing to be vulnerable and take that risk because he loves us, because he wants relationship with us. And we are continually confronted with how we're going to respond to that truth. How do we respond to this vulnerable, risk-taking God who loves us so much he would take on flesh and blood. The call of the word is to trust him, to surrender to him, to live lives of vulnerable risk-taking ourselves. To be so filled with the love of God that we believe taking risks for him, being vulnerable for him is the best thing we can do. We are modeling Christ. And that means in our, in our relationships, we take risky, vulnerable steps with each other. We offer forgiveness when we'd rather hold on to our pain. We, we love people that we just as soon avoid. We step out in faith with God when we'd really rather hold back and kind of see how things are going to develop first. And we think about that and say, I don't know if I can do it. And that's why we come to this table this morning. Because we do it as Christ is in us. As we understand the love of God, as we receive the love of God in Christ, he gives us the grace to be vulnerable, to take risks. I mean, at this table, we come face to face with Christ, who not only comes to this world as a vulnerable baby, but lives his whole life embracing Weakness and vulnerability and risk-taking that ultimately leads him to the cross. And here we, 
we receive his body and his blood and remind it and see once again what God is willing to do for relationship with us. As you ponder your life, as you think about your, your sense of Christmas and the coming of Christ, and you see how willing God is to be vulnerable and to take risks for you and for me, can we individually and together Ask God to make us people who in the same spirit, in his grace, take vulnerable, risk-taking steps in our lives with him and with each other and with our whole world. Holy Father, We come today in awe of your willingness to be vulnerable, to take risks. Father, you created all things. You brought everything into being. And we come today to worship you, to thank you, to give glory to you and honor to you. And we come today to surrender ourselves anew through Christ. Father, we pray that you will send the power of your Holy Spirit on the bread and the cup of which we are about to partake. We pray that it will be food for our souls and that we will find in the bread and the cup a new sense of your love for us, of your desire for relationship with us and the links to which you are willing to go to make that a reality. Let us come with hearts open to you through the grace of Christ Jesus. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He gave thanks to the Father in heaven and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. On the same night, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to the Father in heaven and gave it to his disciples, saying, drink from this, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for your sins and the sins of all people. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. We're going to receive communion this morning by the mode of intinction. This means to dip in. As you're released by rows, come to the front, tear off a piece of bread, dip it into the cup, eat it, and then return to your seat by the outside aisles. If you'd like to stay, pray at the altar. It's, it's always open for you to do so. 
if it's difficult for you to come to the front or if you simply prefer, we have a tray of bread and cups and we're happy to serve you in your seat. Just let the usher know as your row is released. And we also recognize that um, gluten is an issue for a number of people. And so we have some gluten-free wafers and cups here. And if you would like that as you're served, just let me know as you come here to the front. I'd like to mention that we practice open communion at the Wesleyan Church. Maybe it's the first time you've ever worshipped here. But if you come today with your heart open to God, with the desire to to know Him and to, to be in relationship with Him and to receive His grace, then come and receive these gifts from our gracious, loving, Heavenly Father. Still they bow down Come. 
Amen. Receive the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.